This is a tripod broadcast. You're listening to Barnhill Outdoors Podcast. Just three average, raw, relatable hunters sharing tactics, tips, and stories. No scripts. So just sit back and enjoy the reliving of outdoor memories and their pursuit for a new adventure. All right, guys, thank you for uh, joining us here today. Uh, Barnhill Outdoors Podcast, appreciate you showing up. And today, uh, Ricky is still gone. He'll be he'll be back in a few months, uh, unless he can come back on the weekend prior to that. Um, so it's just me and Brett today, and then we also have a very special guest. Um, you guys probably know him from the YouTube show Catman Outdoors, and uh, we have Jonathan with us here today. So I appreciate you joining, man. Thanks for having me. No problem. Uh, we we just want to ask you, you know. Anything and everything hunting, um, you can tell us any story you want. We'll share some of ours as well, and uh, hopefully we get to know each other a little bit. I know I know you have a lot of followers and subscribers on YouTube. I've been watching you for probably close to a year now, I guess. Maybe, might be even a little longer than that. I picked up, uh, started watching Midwest Whitetail and Chasing November. Then I got on to the Hunting Public right when Aaron and Zach and Greg switched over to that. Um, and then I just kept looking on YouTube cause I didn't have any, I didn't have outdoor channel anymore. So I just started doing on YouTube and then I saw some of your shows. So, uh, one of the questions I had for you to start with is when did you first upload your, or your first video to YouTube and why, why did you do it? What made you want to do that? Hmm. Trying to remember my first video. I think it might've been completely unrelated to hunting. I just started a channel 10, it'll be 11 years ago in uh, March, but uh, I just carry a camera around with me wherever I went, whether I was fishing or riding my bike or hunting. I'd just gotten into hunting when I started the channel, so I didn't really have any much hunting video. I think I started off with some shed hunting, but um, no, I, I just made the channel to post anything cool that I got video of it wasn't really to do to go anywhere or be anything big it was just kind of a hobby i guess it was like hey look here's what i found today post a little video up yeah well it uh so it it did my first video i think it was about the flood we had it's oh it's it's been a it's been a minute since then i think that was my first video and then i had a little bit of shit other stuff i did some fishing videos that year and then the following year i had some fishing videos that got some traction and they weren't like great videos or anything i guess the title was catchy or something <laughs> a couple of them took off but but yeah i mean i started with a little point and shoot camera that you can fit in your pocket and the quality wasn't very good i was like i said it was just kind of a hobby like here here's a video i got today just post it up you know yeah, was that so the old flip share? Gradually went through from there. No, it was. Uh, I don't remember if I started with a Nikon or a Panasonic, but it was just one of those cheaper uh, little point and shoot. You know, the lens comes out. Mm-hmm. Yep. I kept it in. I kept it in a little case to keep dirt out of it, and it's still got dirt in the lens. There's. I think there's a spot on the video from where dirt got inside of it, if I remember right. But uh, eventually when I got into hunting more and started filming more of my hunts, I realized I needed a better camera. And then I got a, a camcorder and just kind of stepped it up from there as, you know, as it went on. Yeah. What are you running now, camera-wise? I've got two I switched between. I had my uh, Panasonic V, or no, it's not the V180, the, the WXF1. Uh, Panasonic camcorder and uh, two turkey seasons ago it got a little rainwater in it and it just died on me so I went I needed a camera that night because I was hunting the next day so I went to Best Buy and got a Sony uh, AX53 which is a comparable camera just a little bit different um, interface and uh, I used that for over a year I filed a claim. I had a protection plan on the Panasonic. I got a new one. And then uh, here just about a month, month and a half ago, the touchscreen on my 
my Sony quit working, so now I got to send that in for repair. But uh, I've been using the Panasonic lately. They're both good cameras. And I put a, I've got an Asden microphone on top that mm-hmm. plugs into it. Yeah, I think I used to film. Uh, I used to film shows back. Uh, I graduated college with a video degree, and uh, I used to film for a living. But I'm pretty sure I used to use that Panasonic as well. So it was a pretty good really? camera. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Well, they call don't they call it a prosumer? Like it's a higher end consumer camera. Yeah. Yeah. It was Not pretty quite expensive. A professional camera. Right. The one I was running uh, was really big compared to what you know what I'm seeing now on the market. Like you know we could I could hunt up a tree with it, but it wasn't something I'd really want to walk through public ground and carry all over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's part of the reason I've stayed with the consumer cameras because they're a lot more compact and lightweight. That and they're cheaper. Mm-hmm. And, uh, if I do, if I do get one waterlogged or something, it's not as big of a loss and uh, or repair cost or whatever. I did lose an entire camera in the river one time. Tripod <laughs> oh, and everything went over, went over overboard in the middle of the river channel in about twenty six feet of water at night. Oh my gosh. So yeah, I think I think the thousand dollars is a good cap for a camera for me, at least for a good minute. Yeah, I don't want to spend much more than that. Yeah, both cameras I have run about nine hundred now, so that's about the most I want to spend. And the microphone's extra, but mm-hmm. luckily I didn't have the microphone plugged into that one when I lost it. There you go. But they take good video. I think. Yep. I mean, they've served me well. I know a lot of people. Uh, watching your show are probably asking why compared to some of the other shows you are always self-filming don't have a cameraman just because I like it I like the challenge I guess yeah something satisfying about going back and seeing the video I got also just from the viewing from the viewing perspective I like the first person like you know mm-hmm. like point of view type thing where it's like i'm taking you hunting with me this is what i see when i walk through the woods versus somebody else always filming back at me you know sure which yeah. i don't have anything against but it's just kind of a style i've i've uh acquired just by carrying a camera through the woods and i kind of like the way it turns out so yeah. that mainly the challenge really is what it is i i like carrying the camera and getting it all on video. Yeah. I've tried to self film. I mean, I've self filmed before and it's, if anybody thinks it's easy, they're completely wrong. Cause it's a whole nother world when you're trying to not spook the deer and try to get it on film and get the shot. Yeah. It's, it's almost impossible. So it's yeah. impressive to do it. It's a learning curve. Some of my older videos weren't as frequent or consistent. Uh, I mean, I had a lot of deer walk off camera, but I, one thing I have learned is that you film enough, you self film enough turkey hunts, deer hunting's a, a cakewalk, you know, you yep. can, you can just get kind of get used to filming and getting your bow ready, have your bow in one hand, your camera in the other and watch where that deer's going and have it on video so you can just draw back and shoot. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's gotten a lot easier over the years and, and turkey hunting has not really gotten much easier <laughs> Because when he pops when he pops his head up, he steps out behind that tree and he's looking straight at you. You got to be ready to shoot him, yep. whether the camera's on him or not. Yeah, right. And, and so it's a lot tougher, but uh, I still enjoy it though. When you're filming deer, I guess you're using a tree arm to have your camera steady. I guess. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, the one yeah, I used to I've run was a muddy a fourth arrow. Oh yeah. yeah. You like the muddy? Man, I. It was just one that I've used. Like I said, I quit filming about four years ago. Just kind of got tired of it. Uh, my situation was a little different. It wasn't uh, as enjoyable as uh, the hunting public guys seem to have and everybody else. But uh, the one I did use at that time was a muddy, and so I just keep it. And I'm starting to get back into filming again a little bit because I miss it, and that's what I've been using. I, I don't know all of the different muddy models or what they've got on the market now, but I remember seeing one of the bases, like a buddy of mine had one, the base that's strapped to the tree just seemed real big and heavy compared to what I was using at the time. 
Yeah, this one's not. It was a, I mean, I guess it's probably four or five years old now, but it was a the latest and greatest model then, and it was a lot more compact. Then I know which ones you're talking about because I've used them okay. too, and it's not quite that bad. But I have seen that the fourth arrow. Ones. Yeah, yeah, those are those are bad. I used to use them in Iowa the quite base. a bit. Yeah, I, I know the four, fourth arrow and a couple other companies have come out with even better self filming arms, and I haven't got one yet, mainly because what I have works, you know, just mm-hmm. haven't haven't gone and got one yet. No reason, but um, I think the fourth arrow carbon arm. I got the carbon arm too. I think it was one of the better ones when I bought it. It's been at least three or four years since I bought it. So um, I'll eventually upgrade, but it, it gets the job done. It's not too bulky. The The base is only about like that. Mm-hmm. It, it works. Yeah. Yeah. As long as it works. Um, I think before you'd kind of mentioned it uh, before we actually started the show, but um, the question I have is, are you a self-taught hunter and fisherman or were you brought up with it? I'm pretty much self-taught. Uh, nobody in my family hunts or fishes. When I, when I was a kid, I got into fishing. I, I took up an interest myself, but then my dad, he, he had fished some when he was younger. So he went and got me the tackle and taught me how to cast and everything. And then I took off from there and then, you know, Several years down the road, when I got into hunting, I kind of just, I got advice from people on forums and stuff on the internet and watched a lot of videos, did a lot of research and reading. But then other than that, you know, I, I made a couple friends along the way and who, who kind of, you know, pointed me in the right direction. But other than that, I, I kind of just had to figure it out. Yeah, we, we both grew up. Um, uh, learn how to deer hunt. We didn't. We never. We're never taught turkey hunting, at least not the the right way. So we had a lot of learning curves there. I know we. My dad thought similar to deer hunting, where if you put your decoy out forty yards, that's your maximum shot length. So it gives you a yardage, you know, a visual. But what we didn't realize is that those turkeys would just skirt on the backside of that decoy. 50 60 yards out now you can't get them in <laughs> so you want those decoys in a lot closer yeah but you know so it was just a it was a learning curve man but uh we a lot figured of turkeys it out. out of deer stands too <laughs> yeah a lot of turkeys out of deer stands I, i've taken a couple shots years ago in in the fall like bow season you can kill one with your bow and um so i've shot one or two from the stand and uh never found them and I kind of got I kind of shied away from bow hunting turkeys just because I realized how small their vitals are mm-hmm. when you look at it their vitals are not much bigger than their head you and I've, I've debated if I ever pick up the bow for turkeys again I might just go for a headshot because it's not much smaller than than their lungs and heart they, mm-hmm. they really don't have big vitals yeah I've shot that, that way at them with a bow but I've hit one Feathers yeah. came off, but I never found it either. That was from a tree stand too. Yeah. I've heard, I, I don't know who first said this, but I've heard people say it before. That turkey is a bird that's that was made to be killed with a shotgun. <laughs> yeah, I believe that. That's kind of how I, I, I still want to kill one with my bow just to say I did it. But um, uh, I think being able to draw back on one and, and get an accurate shot would be, would be pretty rewarding but uh as for everyday hunting i'll take the shotgun every time yeah i'm with you there especially i mean people hunt with a bow seems like they're in ground blinds i i can't imagine how close you can get a bird on public ground you know on those hills trying to draw back on them be tough i had one back in 2014 it was a really good season i had um I had killed three. The limit was four. I had killed three and called in a couple others that I'd messed up on. And and the season was going real well. I didn't want to tag out early, so I took my bow and started bow hunting. And I struck a bird on top of a ridge. It was on flat ground on top of a ridge. It was a little patch of cedar trees. And he gobbled somewhere off in there. And uh, there's some limestone bedrock, just chunks of it, and uh, like big chunks of it. And so I just... 
sit down Indian style behind one of them, just uh, cross my legs and sit down behind this rock. And he worked right into the call, came in on a string and I drew my bow sideways, kind of like a long bow or something you know, behind that rock. And then I slowly raised it up and he was looking at me, but he wasn't spooked yet. And, uh, I sat up as high as I could. I should have been on my knees, but my legs were crossed. So I just sat up as, as straight as I could. And I shot, I put the pin right on him and I shot and that, that arrow bounced off that rock and went off into the trees. Oh, and he ran away. So that was, that was the closest I came to killing one with my boat yeah. uh, in the spring anyway. And I haven't really tried since then. When did you start calling? calling turkeys with that uh that call you make or when did you first make it the wing boom mm-hmm. yeah i made that i still use the same call i made i made two calls that year just to experiment and see if i liked it uh, it was 2013 i made a two-piece and a three-piece wing bone i still use that same three-piece yeah i've never i guess up here you just don't see something like that. So that was one of the first times I've seen anybody use that and uh, call birds in with it. So that was pretty, that was pretty unique for, for us Midwesterners up here. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't remember how I found out about it. I, I'm sure I read about it online or something. Um, I always like tinkering with making like building stuff. So uh, I was like, well, I killed some turkeys. I should, I should try to make a wing bone call, see if I can get it to work. And and I started with that two piece and I got some response from it and I liked it. So then when I I realized the three piece sounded better, so I stuck with it. The three piece had a little bit deeper tone to it. Now, one thing I've noticed is if you read about wing bone calls online, a lot of people say the hand bones are better. They make a higher pitch call, Hmm. but uh, I've made a couple hand wing bone calls and i found a, it mainly depends on how long you cut the bones but also uh the hens tend to be a little too high pitched at least for my liking like the the gobbler bones all the wing bone calls i make from a gobbler about the same pitch as a pot call or a mouth call or box call it sound, they all sound about the same mm-hmm. same tone so i like those gobbler wings hmm. do you what do you like better turkey hunting or deer hunting I don't think I can answer that. I, <laughs> I, I want to lean towards turkey, but if you ask me this in mid-September, I might say deer, but I'd still think back and think, you know, well, I wouldn't say that around you know, before turkey season. I guess it depends whatever's in season I like better. <laughs> That's what you like the best. I, I like both about the same. Yep. Yeah, I don't think I can really decide. That's kind of like me and fishing every time that, spring starts coming around I'm like i kind of feel like fishing i might like better than hunting until hunting comes around and then so my mind changes every time as well i guess it's just mm-hmm. the nature of it yep it's whatever you're fired up for i guess there's always something to do year round yeah yeah that's true it's seasonal whatever's in season's what i like the best so i have a question where did the name Catman come from if you don't mind me asking well, I don't mind. You're not the first one. Uh, <laughs> I should probably put it in my bio or something. Uh, I, it's just the username I made when I was like 11 or 12. I think I was 12. I, I, I got into catching catfish down in the creek where I grew up and uh, got on some some group online or something. And I noticed a lot of people use the word catman to, uh, short for catfisherman. So I just made that my username and it kind of stuck. Yeah. on the fishing on the fishing side uh, i mean obviously you got catman from catfish is that is that the primary species that you enjoy fishing for i don't know if i have a favorite i mean if i had to pick a few favorites and catfish is one of them especially flatheads but any any catfish um smallmouth bass um walleye which i'm not good at catching but they're the best eating fish i've ever caught um i like i like a little bit of crappie fishing a little bit of largemouth, just because they're everywhere 
yeah. and for that matter, bluegill. Um, uh, common carp is one I like to catch. Not a lot of people do. They, they're some of the better fighting fish I've caught. You know, I mean, really anything that bites when it boils down to it, you know, if I'm bass fishing, if I'm bass fishing and I catch a big old drum, I'm not mad. I love those big drums. They fight hard. I call them head shakers. Yeah, that's uh, that's actually brings up a pretty good point because uh, what we want to determine today is what fish pound for pound is the best fighting fish. Uh, and to do that, we're going to do something we've never done before on the show. And we're going to do a bracket of all of these fish species to figure out, determine which one is the best fighting fish. So I'm going to have to put it over here just because the camera on this side won't be able to see it over there probably. But, uh, well, I guess it might. I don't know. Would it work here? I just can't write left-handed, so you might have to do it. I'm not a lefty. <laughs> okay. But, uh, so on here we have, in the top left, we have rainbow trout versus brown trout, and then walleye versus drum, northern pike versus muskie, uh, flathead versus paddlefish, and then over here on the right, we got largemouth versus smallmouth, blue cat versus channel cat, white bass against crappie, and goggle eye against brook trout. So... We're going to go down the list and we're going to determine what we think is the best fighting fish. And then you can be the tiebreaker or chime in and tell us why we're wrong. And we'll determine which one's the best. All right. You ready? Sounds good to me. So I guess the first round is brown trout and rainbow trout. Or not, not quite in that order. Rainbow trout versus brown trout. Um, my most experience is rainbow trout. Um, I don't have enough browns to determine what's better honestly yeah i've only caught one brown trout i think i'm pretty sure and i remember it fighting really good but i'm gonna have to go with uh rainbow trout on that one yeah i've caught a handful of browns but like y'all not a whole lot of experience my biggest brown was i think 19 inches and then i don't remember what my biggest rainbow was they were stalker fish I want to lean towards brown trout, but I I could be wrong. They both fight pretty good for their size. I know a lot I'm of not, people want to pursue the browns. Have, yeah, uh, I think I think if we say rainbow, a lot of people are going to be saying, "Hey, no, it's brown trout. They fight." Good. But <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, that's I, kind I of the interesting point about this because I know somebody's going to say that we're completely wrong. I did watch. I had a buddy who was down in Arkansas. Uh, a few years back and he reeled in a five pound brown and that thing did fight like crazy so and it was a it was off the north fork river so it was you know stocked at one time those browns will fight oh well that's one other thing those browns will fight so hard they'll they'll almost die if you don't get them straight back in the water yeah you gotta you gotta revive them a little bit they, they put out a lot of energy when you catch them i might i might have to say brown but i Again, I, my guess is as good as yours. I've only caught a handful of them. I, can't, I say they both fight pretty good. Maybe I'll switch my mind yeah, then. Yeah, kind of lean. <laughs> <laughs> you convinced us. Now we're gonna we're gonna scratch rainbow and brown's gonna move on. BT brown trout. All right. Next we got walleye and drum. Uh, only caught a handful of walleye, so I you know not super familiar with I'll tell them you right now. Is it drum? I'll tell you right now. Walleye don't fight. Yeah. It's drums that fight. Dry, I would say I've yeah. caught a lot of drum, and they fight incredibly good. Yeah, I've caught quite a few drum, and, man, they they are a good fighting fish. So that one's going to be a – that's going to take the cake there. Scratch out walleye, too, so we know. All right. All right, walleye then. tastes better. Yeah. Yeah. If it was the, if it was the best eating bracket, it would have won, huh? Walleye would would slaughter everything, <laughs> except maybe maybe crappie. Walleye and crappie would be yeah, crappie is good too. I see. I always like rainbow trout though. Like I've I've always thought that was one of the best freshwater fish. Uh, but I, I I like the big ones when they when they turn pink like a salmon. Mm-hmm. And, and 
a buddy of mine caught one. It was a stalker fish, but it spanned my Weber grill. Wow. We grilled it whole, skin with the skin on, and then peeled the skin back. You know, we coated the skin real good, seasoning, and grilled it until it was charred, and then peeled that skin back and ate it straight off the bone. That was that was one of the better fish I've eaten out of fresh water. Mm. Well, man, I guess on the next episode, if you come back on here, we'll have to do one about the best tasting fish. <laughs> now I'm getting hungry. Mm-hmm. So the next one is northern pike and muskie. I'm not sure I caught either one of these fish. Yeah, you might have to be the one on this one because I've never caught either one of these fish. I've never caught either one. We don't have pike down here. We've got muskie, but they're not like, they're not everywhere. And they call them the fish of 10,000 casts. I've never caught one. We're kind of in the same boat. They're more of a northern. Yeah. North of, north of us even. I, I've heard that muskie fight really hard like they are a really good fight i've fish, heard so. i've heard i've heard if you don't have a good drag they'll break your line before the drag can start to slip yeah because you troll you and, troll for them mostly i think you just troll in the boat so i imagine if you're doing that you know it's going to fight pretty well snap your line easy so i'm going to go with musky yeah that would be my guess i mean it's just a guess i've heard pike are more aggressive easier to catch but i mean Everyone talks about how musky run your line, how they spool you. Mm-hmm. So, I would guess musky is the harder fighting fish. What's next? Flathead and paddlefish. Mm. From my experience, paddlefish feel like you're dragging in a huge log. Yes. Like, there's not a lot of fight. It's just they're big. I mean, if you hook into a good one. Yeah, same thing. You troll. We troll for those. It's the Lake of the Ozarks every year. And when you hit one, it, yeah, where you just drive the boat at like four miles an hour with your hooks behind you, just going real slow. You snag them that way. Mm-hmm. On the on the. I never heard of that. Paddlefish. We do down here. I've never snagged one, so I can't really comment on which one fights harder. But down here, we uh, we got a season on them that's like, forget when it opens. It's in the spring, and. uh you just throw a, a sinker, like a bank sinker with a big treble hook, like a 12-watt treble hook below the dams. Just throw it across the river and just rip it mm-hmm. until your arms fall off, basically. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We've done that method, times. too. Yeah. Yeah, we've... Uh, I haven't caught one. Really? Yeah, we... Uh, I, have, I, I mean, it's turkey season. I don't get out and try very much. Yeah, your girl's turkey season opens up pretty early down there, I think, doesn't it? Early April, yeah. Yeah. And I start... I start out in Alabama in March and then, yeah. So, I mean, I can, I could make time for it. Like if I tag out before season's over, you know, I can make time for it. It, Paddlefish season goes through the end of May, but, uh, yeah, I haven't, I haven't really given it much effort. It's a lot of, a lot of cat, like a lot of repetitive casting and ripping line in. Yeah. We, uh, I would like to catch from we started out that way, bank fishing with snagging rods, and you just, like you said, you get that weight on there, and you just zing it out with that baitcaster as far as you can haul it, and then put it on your side, and you just start ripping it. And uh, we did that for quite a few years, and we caught a few. We actually mostly caught, like, Asian carp on accident, you know. And then eventually we decided, or we learned to go down to the Lake of the Ozarks. Uh, our season is from March 15th to May 15th, or is it May 30th? might be May 30th and start doing that and we just get in the boat and we troll at like four miles an hour and you have four or five rods behind you and uh um i mean you'd be surprised the odds are actually better than i thought they would be just driving around you know on the boat and uh we caught quite a few some big ones too like uh, my buddy jordan caught like a 70 pounder so it was that was a lot of fun but yeah, but as far as fighting goes, they don't fight all that well. It's just it hits you, rips your arms off for a minute because you're driving a boat at four miles an hour, and then after that, you know, it's just like, like he said, just like pulling up a log. So I, I would have to go with flathead on this one. Yeah, and they're not the hardest fighting catfish, but they, uh, I mean, they'll conserve their energy. They have a knack for. 
using that flathead to stay down in the current. Mm-hmm. So they don't have to fight much. They'll just sit there and shake their head, and they'll, they'll shake their head till you get them up to the boat, and that's when they'll usually fight the hardest is right by the boat. Yeah, I think I've only caught flatheads through trot line, never on rod and reel. Is that how you normally catch them? Rod and reel or trot line? Or I catch them on rod and reel. Okay. I used to I used to run limb lines a lot more, and I caught about a 17-pound flathead on a limb line. Jeez. <laughs> I thought it was pretty cool, but I wanted to reel one in rather than just pick up a line out of the mm-hmm. water. So after I caught that big one on the limb lines, I kind of switched over to rod and reel fishing. Yeah, I've never caught one on a rod and reel, so that might be skewed. A lot of fun. Yeah, it might be skewed for me to pick just because I've never actually hauled one in on a rod yeah and i'm the same way with paddlefish if you say they fight like a like a log i mean sometimes flatheads are fight like a log but sometimes they put up a pretty good fight that's more than what they they just they kind of use their size yeah yeah Yeah, pound for pound i'd say i'd say the flathead has to fight harder large mouth versus small mouth that's easy i think so too especially if it's like you know in a river or you know stream or something like that yeah i for me it's small mouth for sure 100 percent. yeah i was gonna large say mouth doesn't hold a candle to a small mouth yeah no no small mouth i i went fishing a couple of years ago and we were tearing them up and even the smaller small mouth were fighting hard any of the large mouth we were catching so i was definitely gonna say those little creek small mouths yeah those little 10, 12-inch creek smallmouth make you think you have a big one at first. <laughs> they, they fight hard. They got, some, they, they got some fight in them. They're a lot of fun That's to catch. That's one of my favorite fish to catch. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Same here. Blue cat versus channel cat. Hmm. That's a tough one. That is a tough one. I don't. That one's not an easy decision. Well, it's a very hard fighting channel cats. But then every blue cat I've caught has made my rod bend in half. I hit it like a freight train. So that's a tough one. Blue cats hit your bait harder, from my experience. Yeah, again. Channel I, cats, it, I've had some pretty hard fighting ones. If they don't do the death roll when they come up to the top and roll around, if they're actually fighting, I've had some real hard fighting channel cats. And that's the thing is I've caught a lot of channel cat on a rod and reel, but I don't know if I've caught any blue on a rod and reel if i think i have but they're always pond stocked they weren't like from the river or anything hmm Hmm. Catman, you might have to i think my biggest blue is about (laughs) i've caught blue cats up to about 20 pounds which is nothing compared to how big they get in there um but i've caught a good handful of them and my biggest channel was no more than 10 pounds. I really don't know how big my biggest channel was. Maybe 8, 10 pound range. And uh, those pond channel catfish, like if you're in a pond where the catfish have been in there for years and gotten real big, they, they put up a heck of a good fight. Um, I don't know. That's a tough one. Pound for pound. Yep, pound for pound. Almost might have to go with channel cat. Might have to go with channel catfish. I think I am going channel cat just because I I have caught those on a rod and reel and not a blue cat. So, but yeah. we might be wrong. I don't know. We might get some feedback on that one. CC for channel cat. Whoops, I marked up the wrong one. What are you doing? You're messing it up? I can't even see it. Yeah, I accidentally crossed out the channel cat instead of the blue cat. <laughs> White bass and crappie. Mm. I've caught way more crappie than white bass. So same here, but I have caught white bass, and they do fight really good. I haven't uh, caught white bass in a hot minute, um, but if I remember right, they fight pretty good. The crappie don't. Crappie are kind of like walleye; they yeah. taste really good, but don't fight a whole lot. Yeah, they, it's weird. They hit hard, like you know, they'll just hit, and then after that, they just reel them up. Like they don't, fight, they don't keep fighting. Paper mouth. <laughs> yeah. If they fought too hard, they ripped their mouth off. Right. Yeah. They're, uh, yeah, I mean, they're fun. I love catching crappie, but they don't have that much of a fight. We'll say white bass then. 
I'm going to go with white. I think white bass is going to take that one. Yeah. All right. So then goggle eye, brook trout. Never caught a brook trout. <laughs> so I've only caught goggle eye myself. I don't know if I've caught a brook trout. I would have to assume you brook say trout. You goggle eye, you mean like a rock bass? Yes. Yeah. Yep, rock bass. Yeah. Um, rock bass fight really hard for about two seconds, and then they just kind of go limp most of the time. If they're like the other they, uh, trout, I'd say trout for me. Yeah, I I would have to assume that they are. Yeah, I would guess fight harder. I would assume so, just because it's a trout. Trout yeah. are pretty hard fighting fish. I've never caught a brook, but I'm gonna guess they they fight because a rock bass most of the time doesn't fight very hard. Sorry, rock bass, you lose. <laughs> All right, we're in... Round two? Yep. Round two. So this is the brown trout versus the drum. I'm going I'm going drum. Brown trout versus drum. Hmm. That's a tough one. I've caught way more drum than brown trout. It seems I remember a brown trout putting up a really good fight, though. They might... I don't know. They might give uh, drum a run for their money. Yeah, it's tough because I've I've caught more drum than brown trout, but I've caught enough rainbow trout to know that trout fight pretty darn hard. So pound for pound, mm-hmm. that's a tough one. There. I might have to go brown trout. Ooh, so we got this is the first time we have a need a tiebreaker. I voted drum. Catman voted brown trout. So Brett, you have to. Determine who's moving on. I think I'm going to have to go brown trout. Brown trout. I lose. All right, so now we have the muskie versus the flathead. kind of guessing on that one. <laughs> what do you say? He's kind of guessing on that one. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to take a guess at muskie fights a little harder. Never caught one, but I caught quite a few flatheads, and I think muskie's a different animal. Yeah, they're they're way more aggressive i think as far as like predatorial and yeah so I'm yeah gonna... like i said like i said before flatheads like to conserve their energy they don't they don't like to put out a huge fight you know they'll they'll just kind of work the current to their advantage mm-hmm. you know i've never caught a muskie but i'm gonna say muskie if i asked anybody who had who had caught a muskie i think they would say muskie without a doubt fights harder than a flathead all right, we'll have Muskie continue. We'll see if we're right. If anybody thinks we're wrong, let us know. And why. So now we we're have... We're going to end up with two fish that we've never caught trying to decide which one is the best fighting fish. <laughs> which one is the best? Or the fight is Well, we think it's going to be. So now we got Smallmouth versus Channel Cat. I'm going to... I mean, this is like... Smallmouth. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, this is a pound for pound, so obviously, you know, you can't compare using a giant catfish rod versus a ultralight or something. So I would have to go with the smallmouth too if it's pound for pound. Yep, me too. That was pretty easy. Yeah, and the harder fighting channel cats I caught were the bigger five to ten pound channel cats, and and I've never caught a small a smallmouth over five pounds so no, either I would, say I've caught, I would say i've caught smallmouth that fought that fought almost as hard but for their size yeah pound for pound i would say smallmouth because a little like a 12 inch smallmouth is going to outfight a 12 inch catfish yeah I mm-hmm. agree. yep agreed so now we're down to white bass versus brook trout and i, I can only compare the brook trout to a rainbow since they're both in the trout family that's it's the only thing I can assume. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know. Hmm. I haven't caught enough white bass to make a determination. I caught a couple, was it last year or the year before when we I've were out a few. bow fishing? Yeah, I mean, I've caught them. It's been a while, but I've caught a few white bass. I've never caught a uh, brook trout, so I don't know. Yeah, it's kind of hard to uh, determine. Brook trout don't get as big, do they? I don't, I don't, I don't think so. How big do brook trout get? I think they're similar to like a rainbow. 
size wise. But maybe a little smaller. Around here people go to the people go to the Smoky Mountains here to fish the little creeks up in the mountains for them, but then the the brook trout up there are like six, eight inches long and really? catching them on really small flies. So I don't know. I don't even know how big they get because around here they stalk them too. I've seen them in in the creek where they stalk them. I've seen them at night sitting on the bottom, little stalker fish that were small. I don't even know how big they get or how hard they fight. Hmm. They look like they have some fight in them. They're kind of like a brown trout. Yeah, I'd probably have to go with white bass. Based on experience, that's all I can say is white bass. All right, we'll go with the fish we know. (laughs) We're going to be wrong. Somebody's going to tell us we're wrong. We may be wrong, but only go off of what you know. Right. So we're at the semifinals. Brown trout versus muskie. Pound for pound. Never caught a muskie. Yeah. I'm just, I'm going to have to go with brown trout because I don't want to know. Yeah, four-pound muskie versus a four-pound brown trout. Which one's fighting harder? I have no idea. Just now, watch you fight a four-pound rainbow. So if they're yeah. similar, I mean, that was one of the greatest fish fights I've ever seen. So yeah, that four-pounder I caught, that rainbow, was the best fight I think I've ever had on a fish, as far as size-wise. So I'm going to have to go with the trout, I guess, on this one. Go with brown trout. I like how we eliminated all the fish that we have caught. <laughs> now we're trying to eliminate yeah, the fish we haven't caught. <laughs> didn't yeah, ex- I didn't really... I'll just take a stab at it. I'll say, I'll say brown trout because I've caught them in, in uh, even the... You know, two three pound fish fight pretty good. Not and when you see people catch muskie, they're not two three pound fish. Mm-hmm. They're a lot bigger. So I don't know how good a small muskie would fight, but I'm gonna I'm gonna vote pound for pound. I think it would be trout. Trout moves on. So now we're at smallmouth bass versus white bass. Smallmouth. Yeah, I'm gonna go with smallmouth. I'm going to go white bass. It's pretty bass, close. But, white bass fight pretty good. But I'm going to be voted out, so. And I probably think so. Yeah, I've caught white bass. I've caught white bass below the spillway in a lot of current, a lot of moving water. So, I mean, I'm sure that kind of added to the fight a little bit. But I don't know. I, I'd say smallmouth. All righty. Is this the finals? We're at the finals. Brown trout versus smallmouth. So the best fighting fish pound for pound. Smallmouth or brown trout. I think I'm going to go smallmouth. Hmm. That's a close one. That is really close. I've caught a lot more smallmouth. I, I want to say smallmouth because I like catching them better than trout. But a brown trout is... It is a pretty, pretty strong fish. I just think like a four guess, pound. I'm just going to say smallmouth. Smallmouth. I've never caught a four pound smallmouth, so I'm trying to envision my biggest. What that my would biggest be like. was four pounds. Really? Yeah, I caught it on accident. I was fishing for carp with corn and wasn't <laughs> getting any bites, so I just started burning it up, reeling in my baits in the smallmouth. Decided that fast-moving sweet corn looked pretty good. Hmm. My biggest smallmouth ever. So you caught your biggest smallmouth on a corn. That was a lake corn. fish. The, yeah, that was a lake fish, and I, he hit it right by the boat, so I didn't really get to fight him much. <laughs> yep. But the the creek smallmouth, I've caught him over. Th- I've caught him over three pounds in the creek, and nice. I mean, they were they're at least they fight at least as hard as a trout. Well, I can say it this way. I have caught trout small, smaller trout than I have bigger smallmouth. So if I can compare a small, smallmouth to a small trout, then I'm going to have to say a smallmouth would fights a little bit harder with the same, because I use the same rod for both. Right. I use those. my ultralight. So. so, yeah, I would have to go with smallmouth, I think. 
So I think that was a crown the winner. Yeah, those small smallmouth too. They really show their potential when they're smaller, like a pound or so, pound or two. That's, make, that's, that's the one fish that fools me into thinking it's a bigger fish is a smallmouth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I think smallmouth is a worthy winner there. Yeah. Smallmouth wins, and if anybody disagrees, sorry. But that's who we determined the winner. And then if you think that we're wrong, then tell us why we're wrong. And uh, maybe we can we can either argue with you or agree with you, or you can make up your own bracket for all I care. <laughs> That's what we came you know, up with. You know what could give you know what could give a smallmouth a run for its money? What's that? And I guess a trap for trap for that matter. It's a common car. Hmm. I've I've shot a few common carp, count. but not not reeled them in. Catch one on ultralight. I had a, <laughs> I had them spawning a couple of years ago. The uh, we had a bunch of rain. I was camping. I was turkey hunting. We had a bunch of rain, and the water came up into the woods a little bit. And the carp were up in there feeding and spawning in in the like in the thicket where the water had come up. And so I took a trout magnet and just started jigging in front of every fish that swam by. And these were about uh, two to five pound carp, so they're real small. Mm-hmm. Those things. I've caught them out in the open water too, where I, where they can actually run some drag. They have a lot of fighting. Mm-hmm. We'll have to give that a try because we got we got a lot of little spillways like that up here that you know are running. I mean, mostly Asian carp it seems like anymore, but you still see some buffalo and uh, common carp as well. Buffalo is a weird fish. They they won't hardly bite, and when they do, it's either it's all or nothing. They're either the <laughs> hardest fighting fish or they don't fight at all. You ever tried to use weedy balls? I've tried a couple. No, I mean I've tried similar things. Uh, the best bait I've used for carp is is just a can of sweet corn. Good old corn. Just throw a couple handfuls out. Put a, a load up a number two bait holder with with sweet corn, and hmm. you get it in. You get it on like a mud flat or a sandy beach or something where the carp come up and feed. You. That's the best way I've caught them. Really? They'll, they will run some drag, though. I've never had anything run drag like a big old carp. I'll have to give that a try. Yeah. Next time we'll put it on the bracket. <laughs> no. The, yeah. well, the... I don't eat them. I've never eaten one. I don't care to fool with the bones, but uh, they're a lot of fun to catch. Yeah, we'll keep that in mind for future brackets. <laughs> Common carp. Now, I forgot we should have added the silver carp as far as like oh, snagging. Yeah. Because snack, the silver carp's the only fish I've seen have you go to your knees trying yeah, to get it Yeah, it in. about pulled me over. That thing fought like crazy. I mean, pound for pound, that sucker almost ripped the rod right out of my hand, and it was not a small rod. How big was that fish? 15 pounds, probably. And like I said, it about pulled me off the dock. They get bigger than that, too. I know. Silvers? Yeah. We've got them here. We've got them around here a little bit, but uh, I've seen them a couple of years ago. I saw a couple pods of them feeding, and then this past summer, me and a buddy went out. I, I rigged up an old boat to to fish with. Me and a buddy went out there to find some pods of them to shoot at. We didn't. We saw two behind the boat when we were putting the boat in, and we didn't see another one the rest of the day. Yeah, we. So we don't we don't have them real thick up here, but we do have quite a few. We uh. We'll be on the Mississippi setting trout lines, and it'll be like a, you know, swarm of dolphins jumping behind you from the ocean. Except these jump in the boat and try to kill you. I mean, it's it's insane. They're just by the hundreds of them, and we'll sit there with their bow fishing rigs trying to shoot them off the back of the boat while they're while they're jumping in the air. We hit them every now and again, but it's it's dangerous but fun. Yeah. <laughs> I seen you get yeah. dazed when you got clocked by. Oh, when it hit me in the face? Yeah. Yeah, hit me square in the jaw and about knocked me out. <laughs> I think I think some boaters have been drowned because I had a couple out. jump. I've had a couple jump on me after dark. Rode the boat up on them with the light on. But uh I haven't had I mean I haven't got into them real thick like that. We have them up in the Cumberland River, but 
I don't think they reproduce as well. I don't know if the Cumberland is deep enough to, for their eggs to hatch because their eggs can't touch the bottom or they won't hatch or something like that. Mm-hmm. So like the bigger rivers like Tennessee, Ohio, Mississippi is where they do the most reproducing. So we've got them. We just don't have them terribly bad in, in the Cumberland. That's a good thing. They, uh, they'll they tear your yeah. waters up for sure. We'll go back to hunting just a little bit here. Um, you know, we noticed on your videos that every tree you, you look at, whether it's a, you know, some kind of bur oak or red oak, pin oak, white oak, you, you can, uh, identify the trees almost instantly. So, um, how did you, how did you learn all about the, the different plants and be able to spot them like that? Uh, I guess curiosity, first of all, I, I've always known a handful of trees over the years. And uh, last summer, I I wanted to really figure them out just out of curiosity. So I, I started researching. The more I, I researched, the more I realized that how much there was to learn. And, I mean, we're talking about two groups of oak trees, maybe about 20 species or so that I've got within an hour's drive of me and um, trying to sort them out. I realized it was kind of a, it was a lot harder to tell them all apart sometimes, but uh, it was just, it was just for fun out of curiosity. And and sometimes it does help me in the woods, figuring out which food source to look for because different ones will drop at different times or have different preference with the deer or produce more. So it's just something I'd, I decided to brush up on and get get good at just just because I could, I guess. Yeah, that's it's impressive that you know we're watching those videos and you are explaining that okay, it's about time for you know such and such oak tree to start dropping acorns, and then you know another video you're like I'm gonna move to this spot because these are starting to drop and those aren't dropping anymore or they're hadn't started yet or whatever the case may be, and. It, it seems really successful. I mean, every time you get in there, you're, you're at least seeing deer um, when you're doing your hanging or uh, your saddle hunting and stuff. So that's that's a pretty good trait and a skill to have for a public hunter, especially. Um, so I, I guess I just encourage anybody else to yeah, I'll tell do you that where too. It, I'll, I'll tell you where it, where it helps me, like in terms of finding a spot to hunt not knowing what's dropping is being able to identify a tree from a distance, whether it's the way it's shaped, mm-hmm. the color, the shade of green, the leaves are the way the leaves hang on the tree, the bark, uh, the way the branches form. If, if you can single out, Hey, those look like some red oaks over there, or there's a, there's a white oak down there. Or, or if you're, if you're in the Midwest, you probably got a, a lot of pin oaks. Yep. And you can identify they have different shapes and, and the growth habits. So yeah. if you can look from a distance and say, hey, there's a stand of red oaks over there, then you don't have to walk all over the woods looking for them. You can see them from a distance and go over there, see if they're dropping. And if they're not dropping, then just keep looking for more. Yeah, so we you don't uh, have to walk as much. Pin oaks are pretty easy to identify because it you can like pull their branches off. I mean, they're just, they just grow straight down, um, around here. We do have a lot of white oaks too, uh, which is, I've always found at least up here, I found that the white oaks seem to be a sweeter acorn to the deer than, you know, a pin oak or a red oak. And it seems like if they had to pick one or the other. For sure. Most of the white oaks are, are sweeter, less bitter, less tannic acid in the acorn. That's why they, they don't last as long because the red oak acorn sprouts in the spring, the white oak sprouts right after it falls. Hmm. And if it doesn't sprout, it either gets eaten or it rots because it doesn't have enough tannin to preserve the acorn. So they don't sit over the winter like a red oak acorn. Really? So most of them are like, like bur oaks. Bur oaks are, have almost no bitterness to them. Around here, we got bur oaks down by the creeks. Um, but up on the up in the rocky hillsides and creek bluffs around limestone, we got the chinkapin oaks, and they're like little black olive-looking acorns. But they hmm. they have very little bitterness. They're one of the deer's favorite. And then you got the regular white oaks, and then a few others. Um, 
the only there's a couple white oaks that either don't drop much or the deer don't mess with them much but most of the white oaks are preferred by, by deer and turkey and everything else yeah we'll have to keep that in mind we don't i mean we don't really hunt uh public land much after watching you and thp and hunting beast and it's really uh it made us try to do something new we actually lease a couple properties now and one of them we're we're gonna lose and you just never know what's gonna happen with another one so we may be kind of forced to hunt public ground so uh, what you guys are putting out there is helping other people uh get brave to try it but it also might be yeah. <laughs> it might be too much because there might be uh more people wanting to try it than there was before so i'm sure you're running into more people you know after having these shows on than you used to oh it's definitely gone up in popularity and then having everyone out of work last year and mm-hmm. still out of work somewhat now it i mean that that's had more people in the woods and on the water than i've ever seen before um like some areas especially closer to the city hunters and fishermen you know you got hunters on the shore and then or hunters in the woods and then fishermen down on the shore or fishing around some of the lakes around here it, it got absolutely insane <laughs> um but uh yeah no it, it's definitely getting more popular to go hunt public and you were saying like y'all haven't hunted a lot of public but I mean, you can still take the same tactics on your piece of private property. They're still deer, you know. They still eat acorns and right. they still browse on the same kind of mm-hmm. thing. Like I could tell you in my backyard here, I could tell you where all the oak trees are and which like which ones dropped this year, which ones I'm I'll be checking next year to see if they drop. Uh, I mean, it helps to know where that kind of thing is, so you can kind of zero in and say, "Hey, this tree didn't drop for two years, but." I've seen it drop before, so maybe this is the year for that one for you to drop. Yeah. That kind of thing. And uh, with that, you're talking about different tactics, and it's pretty you know evident what your tactic is. You know, you're using a saddle. Um, you're, you're going in. A lot of times you go in, I wouldn't say blind, because you know the area, you know what you're looking for, but you'll go in at, you know, at, in the morning and just say, you know, this tree is going to, be the tree for me i think is what you say all the time <laughs> and uh i don't like going blind in the morning yeah just because picking a tree in the dark not knowing the area i go in blind in the afternoon fairly often but in the morning it's usually some i i like to at least know where i'm at yeah you know? yeah because i mean i've done hanging hunts uh, i haven't i haven't tried the saddle yet i've tried it but i've never hunted out of one um and what scares me the most about doing that in the morning is you get up in that tree and then it gets daylight and you have zero shooting lanes or anything whatsoever. Um, so yeah, yeah that's, that's why I don't like it. Cause especially during bow season, when there's so much understory that's still got green foliage mm-hmm. and climbing up, climbing up blind in the morning, you know, you may get lucky and be in a good tree, but then you may not have any good shots to work to any trails that you need to have shots to. Right. So I like to, I honestly, like if, if I have to go in blind in the morning, I usually just stay on the ground. And if I don't like what I'm seeing, I'll get up and still hunt until I find a place to sit down. Yeah. That's been, that's becoming really popular now too, is still hunting and just hunting from the ground with a bow, which is, uh, I mean, incredible to me to that how successful you guys are and it, again makes you want to try something different because you hunt you hunt the same way for so many years you start to see somebody else being successful doing something different it makes you want to try try to branch out so to speak and try something else i, I prefer hunting on the ground with a rifle i, I will occasionally with a bow mm-hmm. if, if i'm in a spot where if i don't know where what tree to climb or if i just feel like staying mobile i'll I'll hunt with a bow on the ground sometimes, but when, once rifle season opens, I'm on the ground more often than not. Yeah, I, I'm the same way with a rifle. I'm, I prefer to hunt from the ground then too, because I can get up and move around a little bit. Uh, just I'm not as brave yet with a bow. We'll get there though. <laughs> Someday. Just got to think, you know, 
Don't, like how many times have you been out scouting and found yourself 20 yards from a deer where you could have drawn back? On? Right. True. Yeah. When you think about it, like when you think about it, it's not, it's not that, that far, you know, out of reach to be able to shoot one with your bow on the ground. It's just a mentality where we're used to being in a tree and getting away with more movement mm -hmm. where when you're on the ground. Yeah. Maybe you get busted sometimes, but yeah, you know, I get busted in a tree sometimes. So it's, you just, it's all about stealth, you know, if you, if you can get in a spot where, you know, you can get 20 yards or however far comfortable, uh, however far you're comfortable shooting. then I mean, it's the main thing is having cover and being still don't, don't draw back when you can see the deer's eyes. Right. Yeah. Well, I appreciate the info on that. Uh, like I said, I mean, saddle, saddle hunting nation is becoming very popular now. Uh, might have to give it a try one of these days cause I do like the mobility of it, the lightweight of it. Um, what saddle brand do you recommend for a beginner? I've been using a tethered phantom for the past year. I used a Manus before that. And then, uh, when I first started out, you know, if you're on a budget, you can, there's cheaper options out there. I started with a, uh, a sit drag, which is not by itself is not technically safe. So I used to sit drag in a rock climbing harness, hmm. which you want to make sure you get a harness that's got lineman loops so you can climb the tree safely right. and then whatever climbing sticks you want. But, uh, if you're, if you're not on too tight of a budget, the tethered's got everything you need. And most people consider it to be some of the most comfortable saddles. I know I, I have no complaints about them. I think the Phantom, I think they're both good. The Phantom and Manus, they've got a couple others out, but, um, I mean, I'm content using the Phantom for as long as it'll hold up and it, yeah, I should get some, I should get years out of it. Yeah. But, um, that and the predator platform, um, there's a bunch of stuff on the market now. I can't speak from experience about most of it, but, uh, seems like there's some good stuff coming out. Um, I'd say the tethered phantom and the predator platform is a, like, I don't think you can beat it, but everyone's got a, a different, you know, preference, uh, different, I guess, shape, you know, like some guys will say this saddle, you know, is really uncomfortable, but this one like is, is perfect. And then the other, the guy next to him might say the complete opposite. Um, so it's good to, it's good to go and try try one out before you spend a bunch of money. Yeah. Um, you can get on the Saddle Hunter forums. They've got, I think they've got a map of members where you could meet up with, with members that are reasonably close to where you live and try their stuff out, you know? And then Tethered has their teach and train events that they do in, in major cities. Like we, we had one in Nashville uh, last summer where you, you can go and try all their stuff and talk saddle hunting. So uh, if you can get your hands on one before you buy it, I would recommend that. But if you're if you're just looking for a all around good setup, I mean, I would recommend tethered uh, predator platform and the a phantom is what I use. Speaking of tethered, do you uh, if you tried out the their new one stick or is it that one stick option they have? And it's like four of their yes. sticks weigh like four pounds or something insane. I mean, it's, it's incredible. Yeah. I've got three of them and, uh, I've never seen a climbing stick so light. They're, uh, they're titanium. And then the, uh, the step and standoff is one piece mm -hmm. of, uh, it's, it's like billet aluminum. It's milled. It's not cast. So it's real strong. So they can get away with having, with tighter tolerances, you know, having a little bit, thinner material but still still be i mean it it doesn't flex much at all it's pretty pretty dang solid for how light it is i it's kind of couldn't believe it when i took it out of the box which i got a i got a sneak peek at them a while back and i was like wow that's that's insane and then i got the set of three in the box i picked up the box before i even opened it and was like is there anything in here <laughs> like it, it felt like it was empty like it was yeah. missing something yeah that's but, um yeah I, I like them 
that's going to be the way to go if you're you know if you're wanting to be a mobile hunter hunting public land or even like you said hunting your own land and just trying to get in deeper or uh finding spots that you you know you don't want to put a permanent stand on i mean that's that's the way to go i think it's changing the game in the uh, hunting world for sure yeah i I can say if uh i'm not i'm not afraid to carry a little more weight but if I didn't carry camera gear and I had those tethered one sticks in my current setup, it would I would forget I had a backpack on. It's so light. Yeah, that camera gear gets heavy, doesn't it? <laughs> I keep it as light as possible. I like to I like to pack light and stay on the move. I don't like anything weighing me down. Mm-hmm. Not that it not that I can't carry it around. I just would rather not, you know. So um, my backpack is pretty light by itself. It's backpacks for the cheapest thing i have i got it from academy and it's falling apart at the seams but i'll just stitch it up until it won't stitch up anymore i guess and then i'll buy a new one <laughs> there you go right. the, um, i've got three, three sticks but I'll, I'll use an eighter to get more height out of them yeah. if you want to get a decent height you would need four sticks or or you would have to add an eighter mm-hmm. add eighters to your three sticks everyone's got their own way of climbing right yeah the one i've the one i'm using right now which is a little old school it's not that old but it's old school now but it's the muddy muddy pros and then um those are good sticks yeah they're solid i mean they're they're solid i love the the cleat that you can attach real easy but they that's why everyone loves them yep that cam cleat yep that's um I mean, they're heavy. They are heavy. I've, I've held them. Uh, they're not the lightest stick out there, but those cam cleats are pretty sweet. I yeah. like them. Yeah. But, uh, so yeah, we're going to probably start to wrap this up. But before we do, I want to know, like, what your uh, channel, uh, you know, how to find you, things like that, and then uh, what to expect coming up on your channel, if you would, like what you got coming up in March. April, you know, turkey hunting, obviously, but just kind of give us an idea of what we're looking at. So my channel on YouTube is just Catman Outdoors. If you type that in, it should pop up. Um, coming up, of course, turkey season, you know, mid-March, late March through April and May, I'll be turkey hunting almost. That'll be almost exclusively what I do. Uh, between now and then, it's just whatever I get into. I'll, I'll be doing a little catfishing. I've already been. I got rained on the other day, didn't catch a single fish, so there won't be a video on that, but I'll be getting back out, doing some fishing. Uh, I've done a little bit of rabbit hunting. Um, What else was it? Uh, Whatever I get into outdoors related, it'll be mostly fishing, maybe a little bit of shed hunting, maybe a little scouting or something. Perfect. Sounds good, man. Well, again, I appreciate having us on, and uh, you're welcome anytime you want to, and um, hopefully we'll be able to meet up someday and tell some more stories, but, uh, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, you guys can find us at Barnhill Outdoors podcast, or you can go to Instagram. It's Barnhill underscore OD underscore podcast. And, uh, give us a subscribe on YouTube, hit that bell so you can get the next, uh, latest and greatest episodes. And we're going to have some more videos, uh, how to fishing videos and some, some hunting videos coming up as well. So, uh, check it out. Brett, you got anything? Mm-hmm. So, very good. All right, guys. I appreciate it. We'll see you next time.